Welcome to another episode of Material is Your Business. Uh, we're recording here at Premier Vision, and we have uh, a very interesting guest with us. His name is Chris Hips. He's the global director of Arcroma. Arcroma is a color management system that provides dyes to the fashion industry. We think it'll be a very colorful episode, and uh, we're looking forward to diving right in. Hi, I'm Chris Hips with Arcroma. And what I love about materials is color. Color fascinates me in, in every aspect, and uh, that's what uh, I love about materials is, is the color of them. From New York City, this is Material Is Your Business, a podcast covering the science, technology, and business of materials and manufacturing. Your hosts for this episode are Samantha Cortez. International consultant and founder of Samantha's Platform. Stephanie Benedetto, CEO and co-founder of Queen of Raw. And Rob Sanchez, business strategist and COO of Open Source Business. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome back. Uh, we're here with uh, our hosts, uh, Samantha Cortez. Hi. And uh, Stephanie Benedetto. Good morning, everyone. And I'm Rob Sanchez. Welcome back to another episode of Material Is Your Business. And uh, we're here with our guest, uh, Chris Hips. Hey there. This is Chris. All right. Let's dive right in. Um, I'd love, Chris, if you could tell us a just a little bit about your business and uh, give us a quick thumbnail sketch of who you are and what you do. Sure. My name is Chris Hips, and I'm the global director of our Chroma Color Management. Um, we are a division of Arcroma, which is a global dye and chemical company. So our mission is to really help anyone who is putting color on textiles and fashion materials um, to achieve the colors that they want from design all the way through to production. So the business that, that I manage uh, works primarily with designers at retailers, at fashion brands, small and large, and we help them uh, select the colors that inspire them or really convert their inspiration into something that can be achievable within the supply chain. And we're backed up again by the global um, presence of our company um, for dyes and chemicals in, the, in manufacturing at, at, at production sites. Excellent. Um, well, we're looking forward to getting a lot deeper into that. And uh, as a quick reminder, uh, you can follow us on social media at Material Biz Show. That's Material B-I-Z Show. We're also on Facebook. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else you want to. Give us a rating. We'd love to have five stars out of you. Thank you all. All right, so Chris, I was wondering a little bit about um, what your role is, what you actually are working on yourself, and then um, how you see Arcoma kind of growing in, into the future. Oh, that's a that's a great question. So, I'm the uh, the global director of our Chroma Color Management, and what that involves is really all aspects of providing solutions to retailers and brands um, from custom color dyeing. So a, a retailer or a brand or a designer would come to us with inspiration that they want to convert into a physical textile product. Um, our business converts that into a dye formula and into a physical swatch that um, the, the designer approves. And then we create what are called engineered color standards. So we bring a lot of, of technology 
uh, from the dyeing side into the creation of these colors to ensure that they can be made in the supply chain. And we have an operation in, in the U.S. We're based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and we have an operation in Guangzhou, China. And we, we produce the products that, um, that the designers use for creating their palettes and then at, that the suppliers use as targets for, 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 for matching the colors. So I'm involved in, in, in managing all aspects of, of the business for, for color management. And does that mean that any designer from, you know, a large fashion house to a, an emerging independent designer can come to you, say, with their mood board or any inspiration and literally say, where do I go from here? And you take them through that process? That, that's how it works. That's right. They, um, we work with them um, at, at that stage where they're just developing their, their color palettes. They're only at the inspiration stage, typically at that point. And they come to us. And they, we have tools that have uh, color that is readily available. So one of the new products that we have um, is around 4,300 colors. I know it's a lot, um, but it's ne there's never enough colors for designers. So we also do... Uh, custom matching. So a, a designer would bring their palette. We can help find them, help them find close matches. Uh, if it's something that we already have, they're ready to go. They're ready to communicate that to their factories. If it's not exactly what they had in their mind, in their, in, you know, what inspired them, then we can custom match that to 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 get exactly on what they're trying to do. So we have um, two different ways that we can go, and and it, it really doesn't matter the size of the company. Um, we, we love to help anybody try to get their colors. What would you say is your core um, clientele? What type of designer, medium, high-end, lower-end? Because we know you deal with all of them, but what mm -hmm. is your main? That's a great question. Um, color is the, one of the first things that uh, a consumer sees when they go into any store and or any, any experience that they have. Just visually, it's one of the things that they see. Uh, we work with all all different levels. We work with mass. We work with specialty. We work with outdoor. We swimwear. Color is is really touches every product category, uh, from small companies to large companies. So we really work with um, with a lot of. Uh, there, there's no real definition of the type of company that we work with. We do find that sometimes um, the larger companies are a little bit more developed with their processes and uh, and sometimes that that helps streamline things but we but we we love educating uh, the ones that aren't aren't really using a formal color process and and helping streamline their processes I was at um, speaking with someone I believe at this show earlier and we were talking about the trouble that she was having getting her colors matched by her supply chain and I asked her a question about what light source are you using to communicate with your with your factory? And she said, well, I've only given them a swatch. I haven't talked to them about lighting. Well, one of the fundamental fundamental characteristics of color is, is the light that you look at the color under. So in order to spe truly specify a color, you have to specify the, the swatch that you're looking for and then the conditions that you're going to be viewing it under. So it was a light bulb for her. She said, I, maybe that's it. Maybe they're looking at it under a different light than, than we're looking at it under. And actually also the material. What do mm -hmm. you, I mean, it, it, between materials, it, the dye processes, do you consider it's a little bit different? 
Yes, yes. So that's a big challenge is uh, inspiration comes at, at, a, at a very high level and then has to be executed on many different materials. Depends on the program. It might be tops and bottoms that need to coordinate. It may be different cotton, polyester, nylons that need to coordinate. And it's different dyes are used for each different material. So what we provide is a target that is achievable on most of the substrates. And we provide the technical support that helps achieve them on multiple substrates. So typically, uh, we work with them to determine what is achievable and then help them achieve it. But the material definitely affects the color and what, and what colors can be made. Can you tell us a little bit more, maybe, I guess, speaking further to that, about the tools that you actually are using? Are they digital tools, and are they proprietary that you guys have developed to help the consumer match it and, and facilitate that information transfer? Uh, certainly, the certainly. Uh, there's a technology for color has, uh, has really grown over the years. There's technologies that we use internally and that any manufacturer of color uses internally. Uh, that's my background. I come from, from the color measurement industry. So there are tools that we use to, to define and to, to numerically uh, classify colors that help us with consistency and with formulating. On the, on the customer side of things, uh, we're as much in the information business as we are in the color business. Behind every color, there's technical information, there's dye formulas, there's sustainability information, there's quality control information. There's a whole host of information that someone might need about a particular color. And we actually have developed uh, website tools. Uh, we have a patent pending product that uh, connects a physical swatch to the web for additional information, and uh, we, uh, we, we view that as an infrastructure and a vehicle for communicating information about colors. So the, the, the actual tools themselves would be websites for information, mobile accessible, tablet accessible. Uh, so there's, there's a lot that's coming down the line when it comes to technology and color and color selection. All right, so that's a good place to take a quick break. And um, we'll be back shortly with more from Chris Hips from Arachroma. Hi, everyone. This is Mark Rako. I'm one of the hosts of Fashion Is Your Business, another great show on Mouth Media Network. If you like the podcast you're listening to, Material Is Your Business, then I bet you're going to love Fashion Is Your Business, which intersects fashion technology and innovation, and also American Fashion Podcast, which Harper's Bazaar calls for the true fashion nerd at heart. Both shows and a whole bunch of other great podcasts are all available at mouthmedianetwork.com. And when you do listen, let us know you heard about them on Material Is Your Business. Thanks a lot, and now back to the show. So we are back with Chris Hips and uh, ready to dive right in. 
Chris, so I know we were last segment talking a little bit more about kind of the mobile digital aspect of this and something that's very near and dear to what I do and to our community is how do you take that color, that inspiration from a digital mood board or a fabric that you're trying to purchase online and understand the color that you're conveying and what the materials that you're getting and then how you can actually take that into a finished product. Where does that process kind of come in with your tools? That's that's a very good question and, and something that we've been working a lot on. Uh, we know that a lot of things originate in the digital world. A designer may be out traveling the world and find something inspiring and snap photos with their with their digital camera. They may find uh, something on on the web that that inspires them or that they want to try to execute on in one of their designs, and we know that from a capture standpoint, be it a phone, that it captures the image, it captures the mood, but it doesn't capture color. It doesn't capture the exact color, and there are so many variables there. You don't know exactly what the designer wanted when they captured that image. But we have a tool, we have an online tool that's a, an, an image search where you can upload photos. A designer could upload photos from a, a shopping trip or a, a, a trend trip, and it will search. We can search the image and correlate the colors that we find in the image, so the common colors that are in the image and even unique colors in the image, and search our color atlas. So I haven't spoken about this product before, but we have a, a, a color atlas which has 4,300 colors in it on cotton poplin. It's a physical book. They're physical textile swatches. And the way we connect the digital to the physical is through that search, it gives you results that you will find in the physical book. So we're not saying this is the exact color. We're not telling the designer this is the color that you had in your mind. We, we just know that the designer captured a color and there was something that was inspiring about that. So we give them the choices that they see in the image and they get a list of colors from the image. And then it, it really works as a companion to the physical book which is ultimately what has to be made, which is something in physical form. So the designer would go to the physical book and use it as a starting point. So let's say if they took a, a picture of some beautiful yellow tulips, they would see various shades of yellow. Again, we don't know which shade of yellow inspired the designer, but when they go to the book, they'll be in the yellow section, and now... Now they see something real. They see something physical in front of them, and they can pick out exactly what was interesting to them. And with the 4,000 colors that we've done, we've eliminated many gaps in color space. Um, it really gives them a lot of choices to help them make their designs. And I bet there's a lot of room now going forward. We're seeing all this movement in artificial intelligence and to be able to kind of collect that data, aggregate certain images and keywords and color associations, you can start to pull and curate even better. Um, just food for thought. That is, it's it's not something that we haven't thought of. There's a lot. There's a lot there. Well, we are here in PV, and we do look at a lot of um, inspirations. And there's a lot of trend forecasters. I want to understand the relationship that you have with trend forecasting. Do you do trend forecasting? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, a lot of times when people see what we've brought 
to the table with our color atlas, with the design that we have put into place, with the, the, all of the research that we did putting uh, this tool together to make it easier for designers to find their colors. Uh, a lot of people come to us and, and think maybe that we are a trend forecaster or a color forecaster, and that's really not our DNA. Our DNA is more on the selection of color and the production of color, but we know that that's a lot. Trend is where color originates a lot of time. And so what we like to do is provide tools that allow any trend company or any any designer that's working with the trend company to convert the trend company's colors into something that can be produced. So uh, we work with companies. Uh, we have a, a partnership with Fashion Snoops. Uh, we're with WGSN. We have a, uh, a great influencer on social media uh, who has done some seasonal trend inspirational stories using the Archroma colors to communicate what those inspirational stories are. Her name is Jessica Colaluca, and she's with Design Seeds. Many people have, have heard about her. So we, we don't have the credibility to forecast the colors, but we have the colors that can be used in forecasts. So that's how we work with the trend forecasters. And, and it seems to me, kind of taking the step further, of course, you know, Pantone comes out and says green, the shade of green is the color for this year, but you're able to kind of take that information and take it even a step further, working with the designer of what does that mean for you and, and how do we actually achieve that if that is the color or the feel that they're going for ultimately. That's, ex that's exactly right. Yeah, trend, trend forecasting is, is, uh, is just that. It's, it's, it's trying to predict what the trends are going to be. And in order to do that, we have to have different options for them. And one of the things that... Um, uh, I heard a talk by Jessica uh, from Design Seeds last week. She was talking about all the cultural and political transformations that are going on right now and how, the, how they impact color palettes very quickly and how designers need to be able to, to react to that. So maybe what we thought six months ago was going to be the color palette is pivoting. It's actually interesting that you say that because um, I was part of a color association of America and the way that we selected the colors were extremely interesting. And then at, at the bottom end when they were going to publicize it, it was completely, you know, different. Mm -hmm. I can see that for yeah. sure. Yeah. I'm wondering a little bit about where you're moving. So in graphic design right now, we've seen um, pins that can recognize the environment around them and then color match on the fly as you're drawing images. Um, what are you doing as on the cutting edge of technology for the color industry and, and how are you working on matching and, and is there anything that you're seeing as far as rapid response to supply chains the way that some brands are starting to play with? So you mentioned rapid response and that was really one of the driving forces behind the Color Atlas that we just developed. Companies can't wait weeks anymore to define what color they're going to use and to get it produced in, in, uh, in their factories. So by having colors readily available, a designer can, using the mobile device uh, and the mobile search technology that I talked about earlier, they can find a color very quickly and have it readily available to their supply chain within 24 hours. And so that really, that speed and compression of, 
calendars and cycles is enabled by having a wide variety of colors already developed, already having the formulas. The, the technology side of it, because we have, we're a dye company, we can predict what the recipes need to be on different substrates. And we can provide that information immediately through the website that we have and the technology that we have for them to make it. And the factories that you're, do you actually get into the point where you're relaying information to the factories through the supply chain for the designer? And if so, where are they located? And, and are you guys around the world? So that's a great question. Most of our interface is with the designers in the color management group for, for the creation of the colors and the creation of the color palettes. But ultimately, it is the mills and the factories and the vendors that are buying the engineered color standards from our chroma that have the formulas on it that, help, that can help them achieve the colors. We, uh, we do have a global presence in every country that's, that's producing textiles and that's dying, and we can provide technical support. Back to the technology, part of what we have with the, with the website and the integration of, of the NFC technology and a color standard is immediate access to technical support globally. So if a factory in Bangladesh or China or Vietnam is struggling matching a color, they can reach out to us and request support, and then we will get the resources together to help them match the colors that, that they're working on. Are you providing color formulas or chemicals, or what, what exactly are you providing to the factories? So it's a couple of things. One, the first thing that the, the factory might purchase is a color standard, an engineered color standard, which is a very tightly con quality controlled color swatch. So that's the target that they're shooting for. Mm -hmm. Then they have to make that color on whatever product they're doing. Let's just say it's a, a, a knit, cotton knit fabric. They have to make it on thousands of yards of cotton knit fabric. Well, we provide the dyes and the chemicals for the factory to use to actually do that dyeing as well. So uh, we really take it from the inspiration side all the way through to production. And so that could also be on swimwear, activewear, polyester, nylon, cotton, wool, silk, almost any, any substrate. We provide the coloration technology for the mills to actually use in production for the materials. I'm wondering a little bit about organic dyes and uh, s some of that realm there. Do you play at all in that space? And if so, how does that integrate with the color system, especially in dyes that fade over time and, and some of those? Uh, yeah, very, products. very good question. So I'm in the color management group, which is, is, is more focused on, on the designer and the color selection, but sustainability, um, Eco-friendliness is, is very important to us. We have information on all of our dyes as to whether or not they're blue sign approved, GOTS, Okatex. So we can we work with companies that have specific RSLs. It's a restricted substances list, and they have you know, these companies that are that are that are progressive. Uh, and, and most companies do have some form of restricted substance list that says you can't use dyes and chemicals that have these in it. So we we work with all those companies on that. Um, as far as organic dyes and some other things, our company, as a global dye and chemical company, and sustainability is, our, is one of our core values, is as a chemical company and a dye company, uh, we really do have a deep belief that we can make the industry sustainable, both economically and environmentally. One of the products that we have in our 
brand and performance specialties group is a, called Earth Colors. And Earth Colors creates a dye out of biomass, so waste. So like almond shells, for example, is one. So we can create a dye that used to be made out of petroleum out of, out of biomass. And it works and behaves the same as the dye did that was made from petroleum-based products. So it's a product called Earth Colors. Um, it's very sustainable. We trace the product from uh, the waste stream. We're not creating waste streams. These are waste streams that are already out there, and we're converting those into, into dyes that can be used for, uh, for a sustainable product. Wondering if we can just take a step back for a minute. I'm curious. So, how, how did you get into this to begin with? I mean, color it obviously is it's something that touches all of our lives. But was it always a passion? Did you have a background in chemicals and engineering? Or? So, interestingly enough, my my background is in textile science. So, I went to NC State and have a degree in, in textile science. The very first job I I had out of college was at a textile factory in the dyeing operation. And it, it was very eye-opening to see how color gets onto uh, garments. And I was working in the factory matching shades for designers. I had never met a designer before. I didn't know what, I was, what we were trying to accomplish, but we knew that colors came in. We had to match them, and we had to produce them in thousands of pounds. And that was really what was extremely interesting was, was how that whole process. And being right out of college, uh, the color technology the spectrophotometers and the things that measure color and help you formulate a color and, and QC a color were, were, just, were really ramping up. And I, I really um, gravitated towards the tech, technical side of things and used it as a tool to help me as a young, inexperienced person trying to work with color. And that's really where my, my passion for it began. Um, who knew how, how much science there is to color, right? <laughs> who knew? That's one of the things that uh, we we try to do at the show is entice people to get to understand where how the process is made so they could be excited about it. And I think one of the main things is being close to it, as in understanding the, 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 the equipment. And um, do you have any information on, like, a, any specific um, equipment that you particularly like? Good, good question. My favorite technology... For, for working with color uh, really is a light box. So I mentioned before, you have to standardize the lighting. So a light box that has the standardized lighting on it is, is critical. And it allows you to, to view the colors in a very standardized way. And then also, if I could add a second one, it would be the spectrophotometer because it really digitizes the color. And, and it doesn't give you the final answer, but it gives you another opinion to help you out. So it would be those. All right. Well, that's a great note to end on. And so now let's go to break and we'll get ready for the third segment of the show, which is Remnants, where we'll ask some uh, very personal questions. More right after this. If you're a business decision maker, you should listen to this. The show you're listening to is produced by Mouth Media Network, a podcasting network focused on the business of lifestyle. 
Because of our team's background and deep connections with brands, influencers, and ecosystems, we offer a tremendous opportunity to bring your company's message and products in front of decision makers from several verticals, including fashion, beauty, travel, materials and textiles, health and fitness, and lifestyle. As well, amplifying your presence at a conference or trade show can strengthen relationships and bring more value to your investment in being at those events. Reach out to the Mouth Media team now at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Let's explore how we can collaborate and make Mouth Media Network a meaningful resource to share your message and grow your business. Again, that's podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. All right, so now it's time for the uh, final segment of the show, Remnants. And now, it's Remnants. And we are at Premier Vision, which means we have access to uh, more fibers than you can imagine. So this time, instead of tearing cloth, what we're going to do is take three strands of the Himalayan uh, uh, nettle fibers, and um, we'll hide them and draw, and whoever has the longest fiber will go first. All right, so the first one is uh, Samantha. So what is your favorite color? My favorite color, it's actually changed over my life. Uh, early on it was blue, and now red. I gravitate towards red. Where'd the blue come from? I just, just outside, sky. All right, drying again, and it's Stephanie. If you weren't working in color, what would you be doing? So there's two other passions that I have. I, I know I have two answers to every question, but I'll go ahead and give That's them okay. both to we you. That's okay. We want to hear it. <laughs> so uh, it would be music. So uh, honestly, a lot of times I don't think of myself much as an artist, but I, but I do play music. I am a drummer, and that's art. So uh, music is a passion of mine. And then uh, I do also have my pilot's license, so aviation is kind of something that's fun. It's, I haven't really been doing much with it lately, but that is cool. That is really cool nice. to be back doing someday, hopefully. So you'll fly us all to Premier Vision in Paris. There on we go. Absolutely. Perfect. Absolutely. Yes. You rent the G5 and all. <laughs> will get us there. I'll pull a few strings to see. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And speaking of pulling strings, it's my turn. Uh, and it's me, of course. Um, so you've had two answers to every question. So I'm going to ask you what you were like as a two-year-old. As a two-year-old? So that is a very good question. You have to have a long memory for that, um, or at least stories of how you were as a two-year-old. I think I was a pretty happy kid. I'm a firstborn. Um, by the time I was two, I did have a younger brother. And he would have been, he would have been a couple of months old then. So I, maybe I was feeling a little lonely, and and uh, like the baby was getting all the attention at two. So that's about as good as I can come up with there. Yeah. And uh, what's your earliest memory of being involved with color? So I think the very first memory I have of, of really being conscious of color 
and and maybe a lot of people have this same memory, but when I got the 64 pack of crayons, the Crayola mm, crayons, yeah. Yeah. such a treat. So that really expanded you from whatever the original pack was 12, 12 or whatnot but i just everybody remembers that pack and it had the sharpener in it yeah and you, you yeah. could open it up and and it was just such a cool thing to have so that's probably my first real memory of color so i suppose drawing is also a little of your passion huh <laughs> you know i uh i'm a horrible artist i don't draw very well stick figures <laughs> and 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 charts i can draw uh the uh my father is a pretty good uh artist and 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 can draw very well that gene missed me <laughs> um, all right and are there any final thoughts that you want to leave with our audience i would just say that uh color is something that everyone can actively manage and there are companies out there that can help the largest companies and the smallest companies achieve. Again, our goal is to help the vision of the designer become a reality. And, and I would just say that there, there are companies and tools that can help anyone do that with less frustration. And that's what we hear a lot is that com the people are frustrated with having to go through a lot of lab dips, a lot of strike offs to get the color that they want. And then having to compromise. I mean, the worst thing for a designer is having to compromise their artistic vision. And we want to try to help minimize that. And, and, and that's, that's really a passion of ours. So the best way to reach us is, is through our website. It's colormanagement.arcroma.com. So color management, one word. And our chroma is spelled A-R-C-H-R-O-M-A dot com. And we have a contact us section of that, of the website. So we would take any questions. We'd love to have any feedback uh, on the podcast come through that site. Um, do you want to put a special header in that uh, they can drop in there so that you can parse those questions? Certainly. We can put a, a, a subject line in there that someone can say that they heard the, the podcast and has questions or feedback on it. We'd love to get that. And also, if you want to follow us on social media, we're at our Chroma Color on Twitter and Instagram. And that's more for the color management business. We also have a cool social media presence for the Color Atlas, which is full of color. And it is at the Color Atlas on Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. So follow both of those and, and have fun. All right. Well, so that's it for this episode of Material is Your Business. So for Stephanie Benedetto. Go change the world, everybody. And for Samantha Cortez. Understand your machines. And this is Rob Sanchez. Thanks for listening to us here at Premier Vision. Good night, y'all, and we'll see you next time. This has been Material Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at materialisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Material Biz Show. That's Material B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, materialisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thank you for listening. Music